We podcast and we know things is supported by CastBox, the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on iOS and Android. CastBox has over 50 million free episodes that more than 16 million users download and listen to wherever, whenever. CastBox has also pioneered a brand new way to search. All you have to do is enter a keyword or phrase and CastBox will search all show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. So head on over to your app store, download CastBox, Box and try it for yourself today. We think it's the best. Oh, hey, you caught me in the middle of something. This is Joe Rio from the band Hidden in Plain View, and you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Hey, everyone, this is May, and you are listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me, as almost always, the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. You miss a few episodes, and he never lets you live it down. I will never, ever let you live that down, Sam. But we are here joined by a couple of awesome guests for this very special bonus episode, Steve Sabosley and Chris Fafalius from Punchline. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Hey, hey, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, man, we're psyched. Yeah, this is it's going to be an, an honor. So thank you to you guys for coming on the show. Um, and uh, we'll dive right into the questioning because I'm sure all the folks out there uh, listening are eager to just kind of get to know you. Uh, so let's talk about uh, where the two of you met. Um, well, Chris and I met. Our story begins with, uh, with us on, uh, on the school bus together. But we weren't friends at that point. We were just the two guys on the bus that both sat kind of alone listening to music. And uh, I just always noticed that I was like, oh, man, that guy's wearing an Operation Ivy t-shirt. He's got to be so cool. And eventually, uh, Chris, when did we start talking? Um, I think maybe when we were, maybe I was 16 and you were 15. Or maybe it was even a little bit earlier than that. Maybe, you know, I was one grade older than you, maybe ninth and 10th grade, something like that. Uh, I wasn't so sure about Steve at first, but then I realized I realized he was cool. It was I always I always bring it up, and I, I feel bad to bring it up because he brought up me wearing a cool T-shirt. But I always bring up the fact that Steve Steve had a fish, the band Fish yeah. T-shirt, oh. and, and so I wasn't so sure about Steve. But then it turned out he was cool. We have See, some- that was just that Spencer's T-shirt. Spencer's had T-shirts on sale for three dollars, and I bought a bunch of them. And I feel like. Looking back, it's it's one of my bigger regrets. Because <laughs> I still talk about it. Misleading. Yeah. We have some friends that would really appreciate the fish t-shirt, oh, though. That's hilarious. Even still, we would have some friends. Sam and I uh, met when we were eight and nine years old, and Sam called me Corey for the first two years of our friendship, and I don't know why. He looked like this guy, Corey. I always got him. They had, like, blonde hair, so I just got him mixed up. Because one feature on the person gets... I, no, I, I get it. I'm with you. Uh, so you guys have been in Punchline since 1998, or probably even maybe before that. Was Punchline always the name of the band, or was there other projects you floated around? This is pretty much it for us. Like, it's funny. <laughs> uh, we had, I love the honesty. You know, we had, band, we had bands that maybe played one show or never played a show. But I know as far as me and Steve might kind of feel the same, I kind of learned how to play music in Punchline. And then we never, we never changed the name of our band. From like, you know, we started in July of 1997 
and I've been in Punchline ever since. And that's the only band. Most bands, like, after their first couple albums that are pretty bad, where they're just kind of figuring things out, they would maybe change their name. Well, we never did that. And that's always been a fear of mine, that, that someone's going to be like, I'm going to check out this band, Punchline, and then they're going to Google, and, like, some song from, you know, 20 years ago is going to come up. And like, that band sucks. <laughs> that's always, but, you know, hey, we, when we started something, we stick with it. Yeah. How did you guys come out with the name? I just was in a, in a phase in, in middle school and early high school where I was just drawing in notebooks and I feel like I had the, the idea to be in a band before I could actually play an instrument and I had been writing punchline in notebooks and then when we had the, the talk about you know anybody have suggestions to throw in for a band name and I threw that one in and the only other competing name was our drummer wanted to call the band 300 Yard Drive um, for no apparent reason. Is, is he a golfer? Really for any for any apparent reason, he's not. Oh, okay. Casually, okay. I, I think casual. he went with the better choice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only recently started wondering if people ever think that we're we're a, a, a comedy band. We have well, we have course. a comedy club in Philadelphia called Punchline Comedy Club. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. Anybody yeah, I think that they have the have punchline dot com. Yeah, and and so they. Uh, and you know, anytime somebody Google's punchline, I'm sure they can yeah. tr- plan a trip to Philly with a full itinerary. Uh, but you guys had released <laughs> a ton of music, both EP and LP, before you signed uh, to Fuel by Ramen in 2003, I believe it was. Um, that's when when I started to listen to you, right around the 2003 era. Um, what did you learn about the recording process from doing it yourselves that prepared you for a major label? Uh, that's, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, I I think that, uh, you know, each time you work with, uh, you know, you, you start a band and you write songs with your band and then you go out and play shows and then you go into the studio and you learn, oh, wow, this is a whole, whole other ball game. And, you know, each producer you work with is kind of a, of a, of a, of a teacher and teaches you so much about how, you know, you know, elements of songwriting, elements of arrangement, you just kind of soak that in like a sponge. So by the time we had recorded, or by the time we did our first recording for Fuel by Ramen, we had probably worked with two or three different producers and recorded, you know, had worked out a lot of stuff. So I feel like just by the time we were ready for Fuel by Ramen, we had kind of been through a couple rounds already Mm -hmm. and really explored our own material in a self-producing kind of way as well, as far as just like writing without any... You know, we used to write really long songs, and it was kind of like, hey, if, if you have an idea for a part to come next, if it's cool, we'll include it. And I think eventually we, we got a, away from that and went more towards the traditional, a little bit more of a traditional like pop song writing approach, just because we're big fans of, of that style. But um, yeah, that's, my, that's, that's what I have to say about that. You guys had actually... Uh least the rewind EP and then you drop action right around 2004 both with DVDs and by the way I still own both of those DVDs um, I Hi. yeah the action one I think the action one's like burgundy I'm not 100 yeah. percent yeah yes, with, yes yeah. it is yeah and um I, and it's about a half hour and there's a part in there the part that always stuck with me was I forget if it's it's one of you two that's in the studio doing I think um what is it time in a picture or, okay and you're just sitting, you're just in the studio, just rocking the 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 end part where you do it over and over and over again. 
And I just, yeah, that's, that's right. always stuck with me. So that's actually what I've shown all my friends that are like, Hey, who's punchline. And I'll just say, skip the CD, come over, we'll do the DVD and boom, from there I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll buy the CD legally over the counter. That's what we'll do. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that part, <laughs> that part, I, I know what part you're talking about. I think that's, that's me saying that, mm-hmm. but I always think of when I think of that part that we considered making the lines alternate between in pictures and in of Pittsburgh, like including like a oh. shout to Pittsburgh, which we did, which we did not. But I always think about, I always wonder what would, how would it have been received had we did. Do you ever have any other moments like that where, I mean, you've had so many records now, even still through Lion. Do you have any other moments like that where you listen to a song days, months, years later, and you're like, ooh, what if, what if we did this? I'm sure you do, but. Yeah, I mean, I could I, I could give you a re- review, an in-depth review of every single song in that <laughs> regard, I think. And that's like where what we're in search of is like writing and recording and making the perfect song. The, the so. example that I, the, the example I could think of, the, the first thing I thought of when he said that, Steve, was um, the song on Just Say Yes called My White Collared Shirt. Uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, there's this, what what seems to me what should be the chorus is this line that says all of my friends should get with all of your friends and we should have a good time tonight and I feel like that should be the chorus but I feel like we, we that part only happens one time in the song and like looking back like that should have been the chorus of the song <laughs> uh, yeah that's, that's a big one there's probably like 50 examples of that but yeah I mean I feel like now lately not as much because we we have really, especially with Lion, where it was, uh, you know, a self-produced and recorded album, we had the time to really hash out the ideas and make sure that all the songs were exactly how we wanted them. But I feel like in the past, maybe we were in the studio and you had a you had a certain amount of time where you had to get the album done. And that can be a positive thing sometimes, but I think that... Uh, you know, that didn't happen as much now because we had the time. But yeah, I think that we could go back and listen to 50 of our old songs and think about how how it would have been better if, you know, this part would have went longer or if we had cut this part entirely. Uh, I'm sure that could yeah, be a, like a five-hour five podcast. Now, on our new album, we have a song called Green Hills, and it was also on our last album. It was the closer of the last album as a piano-based track. And then on the new album, it's, you know... 2018, right? Full-on rock band with guitars. Yeah, Green Hill. That's my favorite song on the record. So that, that, was, that was a song. It just felt like there was, there was more to go with it. So, yeah, we're always thinking about that. I would love to always include, like, redo songs on new records. I think that would be fun. Yeah, that's that's my favorite song off a of Lion. It's a beautiful song. Oh, thank cool. you. Thanks, man. Any chance you kind of go back and, you know, play the old songs and maybe release, like, an acoustic CD or something like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're always talking about ideas. It just seems like our attention is easily gravitates towards new ideas if there are like fresh new ideas on the table. Mm -hmm. Do you have, you know, we're we're in the process of doing a couple acoustic songs and just experimenting with recording. And we have this, you know, we've kind of realized now that, oh my God, we can record ourselves pretty efficiently. And so I, I think that we're going to be recording a whole lot of, uh, of all kinds of stuff coming up. Awesome. What are some memorable moments that you guys have from that action era before the 37 everywhere era and, and like, you know, any tours or highlights that you remember? That was a, 
that was a, a pretty exciting time for us. It seems like, you know, I, I know when you uh, look back, the things seem to have like a sparkle to them, maybe in remembering uh, that, that it wasn't as um, uh, pristine at the moment. But when you look back, it's like, oh, my God, that was a magical time. But it really was for us because it was kind of a whirlwind of things happened. Like we went from, you know, I really feel like we paid our dues a lot. Like we did, we did the tours that I feel like every band should have to do the tours where, you know, you don't know what any show is going to be like. There's two days off between shows. You're traveling in a, uh, a thousand dollar van that was fixed up by your buddy. Uh, and you're, you know, it's like an adventure and you don't know what to expect and you're playing fire halls and BFWs all over the place. So we did those tours for years. And then, you know, once uh, we signed a Fueled by Ramen and, and we got to do like Less Than Jake tour, we got to go to Japan, we got, we started getting good support tours. And I feel like um, it was really a, uh, a, a cool and exciting time where we got to see the world. And uh, I think it kind of shaped us not only as songwriters and as a band, but also as people. I, I was really thinking about that. I was talking to uh, a friend last night about that because I, I saw a lot of people talking about how Anthony Bourdain died. A big mm -hmm. thing that he stressed was traveling. And I, I don't know, like, I, I think that that, that, especially at that time, like, I, I became, I don't know. I don't know if a better person, but maybe a more cultured person because of that time of my life. Yeah. I'd say you guys paid your dues. Now, is there a significance to the number 37? 37 came into the mix. I was in in middle school and started to see that number everywhere. Like, this was a time in my life and in all of our lives where, you know, not everybody had a, uh, a phone in their pocket with the time on it. So, you know, I would look to the microwave what time it was or through the clock in the classroom and I noticed, started to notice that it seems like every time I look it's on the 37th minute it's it's bizarre and I told a friend and they're like oh my god I see it too and that kind of just you know was a thing within our circle of friends that then we brought into uh, into the punchline world when we were kicking around ideas for uh, an album concept with 37 with 37 everywhere and I remember sitting in the room in New York City where we were recording about a block from Madison Square Garden. And we were going, going through ideas. And that one, that one came up. And I don't remember who, who said it, whose idea it was, but it just it rolled off, it rolled off the tongue. And uh, I think it was unanimous right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we. Uh, I had a strange time in my life where AM or PM, whenever I looked at the clock, it was nine eleven, for like a year. It felt like it was a year at least. It was crazy. So I'm I'm with you when you kind of see the same thing everywhere, and you think it's more than just a coincidence. Yeah, it's 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 wild. You know, I I uh, I get message. We get messages all the time from people, and I just got one last night from a guy who just Instagrammed me directly and said, "Hey, I need to talk to you about the number." 37 wow and these messages have nothing to do with punchline they're just people who found us by way of of also seeing seeing that number and i i feel like 
what might my best guess at what's going on is that it's when someone it's a common number that you think of when you're like I need to think of a random number something about it maybe because they're both odd numbers it just seems like a it's an attractive odd random number and but it's it's all over the place it's in movies and TV it's, if you if you open up your eyes to it you'll see it everywhere and I don't think that you could do that with other numbers such as 54 63 <laughs> 9 yeah it seems to be like it it might be something about the fact that it's like a kind of larger prime number like you know 37 you can't divide it by 4 you can't right, divide yeah. it by 3 it's it, it, it there's just something I, I read an article about how it just sounds like the most random number and you'll notice it like it's in like every freaking movie every like like Forrest Gump he wears number 37 when he's playing for Alabama Shawshank Redemption the dude's uh, um, uh, you know their their jail uniform number starts with a 37 like it's in just, just every movie that I love there's like a obvious glaring 37 in it it just I, I don't know what it is about it I, I literally just looked around the room just to see if there was a 37 staring me in the face but I don't I don't see anything yet so yeah the only thing that yeah. I can see in the studio that has a 37 we have 37 everywhere on vinyl that's the only thing <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I'll keep. I'm gonna keep looking though, because now I think my house is haunted because it doesn't have a 37 in the room. That's insane. That's that's deep stuff. Yeah, I'll, believe me, I will. You're the phone number that we're on right now. It's three one nine blah 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 blah. It begins with a three and ends in a seven. Steve's phone number has a 37 in it. There you go. Oh jeez. There you go. It's everything. It's everywhere. Uh, in 2008, you guys left Fueled, and you actually began Modern Short Stories. Without getting like too deep into the specifics, uh, unless you want to, what is the inspiration you had for starting that your own label? I think after releasing a couple albums on Fuel by Ramen, we were getting a bit of the itch to record or to go back to doing it DIY, just because that seemed to be the way that things were going with people ceasing to buy CDs so much. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like we it seemed like we could do it. So what we what we what we did with just say yes, we we found somebody to distribute the album and we really tried to release it as as comparable to the Fuel by Ramen releases as we could, getting it in stores ourselves. It was really fascinating. When I look back on it, I, I feel like it was a really ambitious attempt at us uh, releasing the record ourselves. But it was it was pretty exciting to get the album in stores and you know still have people going to stores but it's so crazy how much how much we would have had to have behind us to really get it to have the reach that somewhere like fuel by ramen did but uh it was it was we learned a lot by doing it for sure uh i'm a a big fan of diy especially you know the more time goes by the more you can do things yourselves and it's just it's so gratifying to be able to learn every aspect of what you do by doing it yourself and about your, your your EP, that's so nice to meet you. What did you guys do differently to push that record more than, than what you did previous? Yeah, because I believe that was the record that, <laughs> and you're laughing, I think that was the record that got to number one on the rock charts on iTunes and number seven overall. So you did a, like a big social media push, I believe it was, or just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, okay, that was a, another one of those like, windows of time that seems like insane and crazy for our band uh because um well during 
that was around the first week of January of 2012. And the week before that, we had gone out to play a one-off show in Long Island with our friends and the band Patent Pending. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we drove all the way. It was like six or seven hours, drove all the way there to play this one show. It was a great show. I mean, there were a lot of people there, and I, I, those, guys, those guys are great and, and everything. And But for some reason, we... And, and I, not that I'm saying like, oh, we're some great band, but but in general, we play our songs pretty well live. Mm -hmm. But for some reason at that particular show, and it may have been an issue a little bit with like monitors and sound. I think that was part of it. But we played bad. <laughs> we had a really bad show. Like, and, and we had that rare thing where we almost, we didn't, but we almost had to completely stop a song because we were we messed up so bad. Mm. Like, and that is like the ultimate thing, that you, especially after you've been a band for, at that point, 15 plus oh, years. Wow. That is just like the worst. Um, but in general, it's just a really bad show for us. And, and then, so we finished playing, and then for some reason we had to get back that same night. Like someone had to do something the next day. So, so we had to like... We played this really bad show for us, and then we had to drive home for six or seven hours just thinking about how bad the show was. And I was just—I remember thinking to myself, like, "Oh my God, what what am I doing? What are we doing?" Like, and and I think at that point, also, is just like a a combination of like seeing so many bands that we had like grown up with and toured with and whatever just be so mega successful, and and then I felt like we're we're driving out to play this one show, and we just played like shit and and it was just but basically that that sets up what what happened next was like i was just i just got to a point like i felt like i was gonna like personally i was gonna snap and i and i <laughs> i said like you know what <laughs> and i didn't mean to come off the way i did with it but i was like if you know we're about to release this new ep and if this new ep isn't the number one the, the, the number one album in the country on itunes then that's it i'm done i'm finished like put out like this almost like ultimatum which in a way i was kind of kidding uh but in a way i was like no you know what like if people like us then they can show us that they like us and if not maybe maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore or something and like kind of just like wrote this on like a piece of paper and like put it on facebook or whatever and then our friends who uh ran a thing in pittsburgh called alter tv uh, which there was a club called uh, Alter Bar where they did awesome like live videos. They they did a they filmed me saying the same thing and just put it out there and I didn't really think anything of it. Well, anyway, it kind of had like a viral aspect to it because I don't know that anyone has ever like put out like an ultimatum to their <laughs> uh, like fan base. Like, hey, either you guys all buy our album and make us the make us number one or I'm quitting the band. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. So it is looking back. It's a little bit like not a little bit. It's very weird on my part, but, <laughs> but something about it, like, I don't know if it was the, the desperation or the frustration or the, the fact that, I mean, the people that have followed us up to that point and for so long kind of were along the ride, along, along to the ride with us and kind of saw that, that same thing that like, I don't know, we, we were trying so hard not to like, I'm not saying to be like uh, selling out arenas or something, but to be, to be successful enough with it that we could continue, afford to continue doing it, you know, to, to afford to 
continue to tour and make albums and stuff. So I think that like it kind of resonated with people and and the people got really behind it and like made it for the most part. You know, it was like we were like uh, up there with like uh, right below Adele and stuff like R.E.P. <laughs> and it was and, and it wasn't just us who it was like everyone felt this. Everyone who was like along with us for all that time felt the same excitement that we did, and it was like a, a shared, uh, a shared special moment. I think, and I'll always remember that. And I'll never do anything like that again because uh, I. It was at that moment where I realized, like, wow, people actually care about. Because <laughs> I don't know, maybe we were at the time we were feeling a little bit like, oh, people don't really care about what we're doing anymore, and I'll never feel that way again because that was like the most special awesome thing of my life that i'll always be appreciative of that people like a band you know because at that time look at those those like charts or whatever and it was like okay each one of these artists that we're like right up there with probably has millions of dollars of advertising and promotion behind them and we had zero yeah so with zero dollars of promotion we were right up there with everybody else and i think that was you know, in a way, it's a prelude to, like, look at what happened now. Like, people can win Grammys and sell millions of albums without, you know, without uh, being on a major label or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, pre- it's pretty awesome that ha- that happened. I wonder if that works for podcasts. <laughs> we, have to, we have to come up with an <laughs> yeah. ultimatum. Uh, do you, you know, candid question, uh, do you think Punchline's around without that today? Um, yeah, probably. Good. Good. That's the uh, that's the right answer. I that's, I, yeah, that's that's actually I never I've never thought about that before because yeah I mean see that it is what if what if I said that and like there was no response to it and I was feeling that frustration at the time like I don't know I don't know about maybe I don't know I don't, it would have been hard to stop for me at this point like this this band is like my my defining thing of who I am as a person considering it's what I've done for like 60% of my life. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine life without it. Right. I think my favorite thing overall about you guys is that I keep saying forever. I said, Oh, action's my favorite record. And then 37 everywhere comes out I'm like, that's my favorite punchline record. And then I fall in love with delightfully pleased, but now lion is so damn good. So what I love is I just can't make up my mind about which one of your fa- like records is my favorite. And we'd be here for days if we talked about every single release that Punchline's had over 21 years. So you just came out with Lion recently. Let's jump into Lion. Uh, like I said, it's it's absolutely a phenomenal record. Uh, so kudos to you guys for putting that out. Thanks, man. No problem. What you know? What's different, or heck, even the same? Because clearly, you don't have to just be different to put out a new record uh, about Lion than your previous records. In your guys' opinion, the the difference is we produced it ourselves and this is the first album that we truly produced ourselves. There were others where we had influence, but this one had us at the helm, you know, getting, getting the guitar sound, getting the, getting the vocal sound and all that. But it's, it's not so much that we were in charge of the tone, but it was that usually the role of the producer, the producer is the filter for all of the ideas and all And really at the end of the line, has the not executive power to make decisions, but they're the one. They're kind of the one who has the most influence on when the record is done. So by removing someone from that position, we became the filter 
for for the uh, you know we were the ones who had final say when the record was done, and I think because of that, we just we 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 were able to not settle for things. We were able to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna delete that vocal take that's been there for the last three months because mm. I think it could be better, and I'm just gonna go record it again wow. right now. So it was it was very it was very liberating. And it's really exciting for us because the whole the whole album was kind of recorded on the hunch that we could pull it off doing it ourselves, and just that you know that we released it and people are responding to it in the way that you guys just did. It's really exciting for us that you know it wasn't just that the hunch was was true. It's it's so exciting. Now you said in our email conversations going back and forth trying to set this up, it was actually your initial response to me where you said we really want this record to land in Philly. Um, so could you talk to me about why that is a significance specifically because a lot of our listeners are in the tri-state area? Uh, I just think that, you know, we, we've always done pr- pretty well in Philly. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a second home to us. Uh, maybe not, not, I mean, it just, it would just be cool to, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you should answer this. You could say it a little more eloquently than I could, Steve, but it'd be, it'd just be cool to, uh, um, uh, it, it, I don't know where I'm going with with it. Really, are you going to drop an ultimatum on us? <laughs> I, I was going to say I was going to say that you know we're we're Pennsylvania boys. We're over here on the West Side, and some of our earliest shows were in the East Side in Philly, and most particularly in the in the Philly suburbs. Like for us touring, it it always seemed easier to find a hall show in the suburbs. So like you know like bands in Philly we were also playing the suburbs and then moving into the city as like more people started to come to the shows and the more we, and the more we did it, but we made so many friends out there and even have a member of our band is from Philadelphia, which is so, so awesome. Um, and the, since we've been playing the boot and saddle, I just yeah. love that club. Broad so street. It's such a, such a cool place. And it's one of those, one of the cities and it's, you know, I love playing every city and we just love playing shows in general, but, I feel like we have we have such a rich history with Philadelphia that we don't have um, and as in so many other places because we've been playing there for so long. We have so many people there that are like family to us and we have that that new place to play that just feels feels so right. So it's really exciting to uh, to be around in 2018 and, and, and go for it with Philly and. I, the next tour that we're doing, we're not coming to Philly, and I'm so bummed. <laughs> yeah, we, we literally have that in our notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's nice. yeah. A boot and Saddle is a, a great venue. I love how small and intimate it is, but it feels bigger than it is. Um, the stage is like three feet off the ground, so you're right in it with the band. There's no security barrier, at least for the shows I've been to there. So you're right on top of the band. It's got a good bar right outside the part, you know, right outside the music space of it. I uh, can't say enough good things about our friends at Boot and Saddle. They're they're awesome. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. the, sound, the sound is great too. Yeah, yeah, I love that place. Um, now, tell us a little bit about your journey on Kickstarter. We had the idea to, you know, just like you guys said, that uh, a big introduction, like when you first uh, saw us, was that we had DVDs, and um, I feel like that was something. I mean, that was part of the reason why we like at the time even got a record contract with an independent label at the time was because of this DVD that showed our personality. And I feel like, um, you know, in the big wide world of music where, you know, there's, there's lots of great music out there, but it's rare that you get to actually 
see a band's personality unless unless maybe they're popular enough that you're seeing them on TV shows and things like yeah. that. So uh, now with uh, the uh, boom of streaming, with not just with music, but with TV, that's how we watch. Like, I don't even have cable anymore. I just have Netflix and Hulu, and I think mm-hmm. that's what most people have. And um, so we thought, like, well, can we do that same sort of thing and, and create a music special uh, and have it not not i mean i'm sure we're gonna have dvd version of it too for people that still like dvds but for the most part that's even that's even going away with everyone just streaming everything so you haven't i haven't really seen except maybe for the exception of like things on hbo like the Foo fighters one or things like that a a part documentary part live concert and part maybe sketch comedy type Mm -hmm. uh type of variety show which we which we call a special among, uh, among ourselves to create something like that that uh, that could really resonate with people and show uh, who we are as a band more than just our songs. Um, but to be able to do that at the level we wanted to do it and not just you know do it our, ourselves and, and to be able to, to do it to do it on a very professional level it costs money unfortunately you have to have a big crew of people especially for the live part of it to capture a live show and have the the, the sound and the lights uh and, and everything about it be uh on that level that that you could get it onto these streaming services that we're on because they're not going to put something you filmed on your phone on there probably right uh, it has, unless you know, it's a horror movie it, Unless it's yeah, a hard right. <laughs> yeah, there's some really bad movies yeah. that, that do make it onto those things. But we wanted to try to make it, so we kind of put it out there like, hey, we we want to make this thing, but you know, if you guys want to want to see this happen, uh, we think this would be a cool idea. It's not. We we tried not to like really throw it in people's faces. Like, if you would like, to, and unfortunately people did want to see it happen and made it happen that was a really another just like we were talking about the itunes thing in 2012 that was another exciting thing where okay we didn't think we were going to reach the goal it was the last day we're like uh you know semi-bums like oh we try to do this thing it's got but then that last day it was like people really got behind it and that was pretty exciting to see that people cared because honestly what was crazy about it is like we were like well Maybe if we get close, we'll just buy out the rest of it. Like, <laughs> being, completely honest, being completely honest about it, like we were like, okay, well, what if we get like to like seventy percent? Maybe we'll just like, but but we didn't even have to. That's what was crazy about it. Like, because someone accused us of that, and, and what was funny, like someone like commented our thing, like, yeah, right, like people did that. We was fun to be like, yeah, actually, we were ready to do that, but. Luckily, people got behind it and whatever. So it's been it's been cool. We've been uh, filming a lot of things for that, and uh, I think I when it's like all we probably done, put in. I feel like we've probably put in as much money out of our own pockets as everybody else. Yeah. At this point, you know, we're just really trying to make we're really trying to make a good thing. Yep. And and I I'd agree with you there too because like for me like a lot of the drive-through bands I got into was from the DVDs, like you to get to know each band a little bit better. So I think that's a really great idea. And I would say too, on top of that, we have, um, we have a Patreon and we 
like never thought that would be possible. And we never thought that people would want to support because I'm with you. You put it out there and you're almost like you second guess yourself. You're like, what if it completely fails? What if this completely flops? Right. And, and it's a, it's a moment where you really have to reflect on it and say, is this the best thing? Is this something that could, you know, blow up in our faces? So luckily, you know, for us, it hasn't so far. And for you guys, obviously it hadn't. And I appreciate you coming out saying that you, you, you've put your own money into it. Cause that's obviously important too, to make sure that it's, um, you know, something that we could really enjoy. And obviously we're looking forward to the finished product. So that's a, that's a great story. Thank you very much for sharing. Well, um, thanks. Now you guys had a punch lion IPA craft to help celebrate, to promote the record. What's the story behind that? Uh, we, through a mutual friend, our friend uh, Joe DeWitt, uh, who had done some video stuff for us in the past, his former roommate in Pittsburgh started this brewery in Pittsburgh called Dancing Gnome, which is, uh, with, what did they get? They, they were like runner-up uh, for USA Today's Best New Brewery in America. That's awesome. Uh, just, just uh, you know, because it, it's still, I think it's like, two years old, beautiful place, uh, just in like the outskirts of Pittsburgh here. And they have like a, you know, craft, it's crazy. Um, how craft beers have this like following like bands almost, uh, where people collect it and trade it and are just so into it. And this, this brewery makes amazing beer and, uh, they, you know, they, and, and part of it too, it, is the the can designs and, and the things like that? They before our beer, they had done a beer for the band uh, Tiny Moving Parts. Yeah, I know this. Uh, guys. But it was cool. Like, yeah, it's cool how they like have beers teaming up with bands because uh, it's I don't know. I think it's it was so freaking awesome to have our own beer uh, come out. That and it was on the same day as our uh, release show. So our beer and our album release show were in the same day. And it was just like such an exciting day. And they sold, so they, they brewed 130 cases of it and sold out of it within the hour. That's awesome. That, that day, that afternoon, which, you know, part, you know, our, our fans, uh, got some of it, but the, some of it, (laughs) you you guys better have kept some, right? You, you have some still. I have four of them. There you go. Okay. Do you ever plan on drinking it, or is it going to stay in bottle, pristine, as a collector's item? I kind of wonder, is it bad to leave beer in there for 20 years or something? I don't know. Wine, maybe not. Beer, probably. Um, I have the Game of Thrones. I I don't think I could drink it. Yeah, I'll never drink it. Omegong, uh, they have a Game of Thrones beer, and they give you two almost like growlers with Game of Thrones glasses. And I wanted to keep them pristine in the box and everything, and I go to work. I come home one day, and the it's open. The box is open, and the growlers are in my in like where we keep the rest of our beers, and the glasses are in the cabinet. And I look at my wife, and I said, "Honey, what'd you do? What'd you do that for?" And we had a, a lovely conversation. There was no raised voices or anything like that. We got along great, uh, but it was something I always wanted to keep. But she was like, "Sweetheart, in ten years, that beer is going to explode. Stop being silly." Right. Right. So, yeah. We'll see how long that makes it. But that's an awesome story. Uh, and I'm glad you guys have kind of preserved some. Now, we touched on it already, but let's go a little deeper. You are going out on tour very, very, very soon with the Spill Canvas. Uh, we love those dudes. And Selfish Things. Um, you know, we already talked about the Philly part of it, but congrats on that tour. What can we expect from it? What you can expect from us on the Spill Canvas tour is probably 45 minutes of of the songs that we feel 
are the songs that we need to play for those crowds at the time. Uh, we're going to put together a set. I mean, we'll probably throw a couple uh, more Lion songs into the new set. And I'm excited. You know, the sets that we've been doing have been like an hour to an hour and a half long, probably, you know, upwards of 20 songs. And on this tour, we're probably going to play about eight or nine or 10 songs. And it's really exciting to, uh, to, to think about a set in that kind of format. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm really, I'm really excited. And we're also, because we're not headlining, we're going to have uh, more time. There's a little bit less responsibility. So I feel like we're going to have more time to hang out. And I really look, for, I really look forward to that. And it's so cool that this tour covers 90% of the cities that we just hit on our last tour. So as far as, you know, Sometimes we would go play a show in Nebraska and meet all those people. And then years later, it's like, wow, we never got to go back there and, you know, cultivate more of those relationships with those fine people in Nebraska. So it's exciting uh, on so many different levels. And any bands that you that you never toured with that you would love to tour with? Um, oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's a long list. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for, for, you know, I think there, there are so many artists that like I would want to tour with just because I love their music. But as far as like the bands I'd like to tour with, because not only do I love their music, but also I think that like maybe their fans might be into us. Yeah. Like obviously, yeah. I would love to tour with Jimmy World. Uh. <laughs> like that's like I feel I feel like every band dude in their thirties who plays in like a rock band that would probably be one of their. That's answers. so funny. Chris, I was going to say them too, but Jimmy World, you know, that probably sounds like Jimmy World's our favorite band. It's not really that. It's more of just like the live, the live thing, the live part of it. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah, I mean, that's Jimmy I World's love definitely Jimmy one World. of my Yeah. I noticed that you guys had recently played a show. Um, I'm not sure. Apologies if, for not knowing. I don't know if it was a just one show or a tour, but you guys got to play with the Gin Blossoms too. For me, that's, oh, that's a band I grew awesome. up with. And same with Sam. Yeah. That was like surreal for us to even see that you got that opportunity. Yeah, well, that's coming up in July. There you go. Okay, okay. so it hasn't happened yet. Out. Cool. If you guys want to come out to Pittsburgh, we can get you in. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, like, maybe we can arrange absolutely it. Absolutely promise you. Yeah, will, for real. That's in, it's only a six-hour drive. Seriously. Um, yeah. th- thank you. That's really cool. Uh, Chris, tell that one Jim Blossom story. Oh, please. <laughs> okay, I got, I'll tell you about the Jim Blossoms real quick. Um, through a mutual friend, our old, old manager, we met you know robin who's the singer of the gin blossoms got to know him got to be friends with him and uh what we had a day off when we were in arizona and he took us the robin who's sing singer of gin blossoms took us out on his boat for the day at canyon lake in arizona about about an hour north of phoenix beautiful place we saw coyotes running through the hills he just took us like we you know swam he took us to a little island in the middle nicest guy ever uh, stayed in touch with them for years. We played together with the Gin Blossoms on New Year's Eve about 10 years ago in Pittsburgh. New Year's Eve, it was like the big downtown Pittsburgh Station Square. Uh, New Year's Eve thing was just us and the Gin Blossoms. Uh, when we played, Robin came out and sang, Don't Try This at Home for Us. Mm-hmm. And when the Gin Blossoms played, Steve sang, Till I hear it from you with the Jim Blossoms. Yes. And you could find those on YouTube if you search enough. That is awesome. Well, that's what I'll be YouTubing as soon as we hang up the phone. Editing this episode. Can yeah, I was looking through uh, I was looking through old pictures and videos this morning, putting together uh, some, like, like organizing some uh, videos from back in the day for uh, the purposes of the music special. And I found a video of us out in Phoenix 
Robin took us out on his boat, and we were just riding around, riding around in his boat, enjoying a beautiful day. I remember that day so well. That was such a such a fun time, and I found so many old pictures and videos. I just spent all morning sending my buddies, sending all you guys pictures. That's awesome. That's I love like, you on that. That's so fun. It's that's always really it's fun. good to hear because they say you know, don't meet your heroes, and it's good to hear that you know, you met the lead singer and he was such a great guy. That's that's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Before we transition, cool. before we transition out of the music space and into you know what we talk a little bit about, and definitely want to talk about a certain podcast that I, I'm, I've been subscribed to for a while. But uh, is there anything else you guys want to add? Nice. Is there anything else <laughs> you guys want to add about music before we talk about that? Um, I just think that I, I'm, I feel fortunate that I still get to make it's my favorite thing to do in the world is to write songs. Like I was talking to a buddy of mine that I've known forever last night who loves. He likes to play music. He's a little bit jaded. Uh, he's a very uh, gifted player, like very, you know, an awesome penis, awesome singer. But just he was talking about how much he hates writing songs. And I'm like, dude, you're so good. I wish I had your I wish I had your ability. Like, why don't you like writing songs? He's just like, I don't know. I just hate it. I dread writing songs. I'm like, oh, man. You know who I'm talking about, right, Steve? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh and, and but for me, like that's the greatest part to be able to write songs and then something that you wrote to have, you know, like even you guys have talked to us like, oh, you, that you know, you said you like lying, like that's like the ultimate compliment is like you like something that we sat down like put like wrote about our emotions and feelings <laughs> in song in song format and that you guys appreciated that that like means so much you know and it's uh you know i don't i'm not trying to sound like uh the stereotypical like what you would say like that really is awesome it's an awesome feeling and i don't know i don't know why my buddy <laughs> doesn't feel that but anyway uh yeah that's i love music i'm basically all there is to it i i uh you know i don't know what i would do without it i just used 37 oh, yeah. tissues to dry my eyes oh <laughs> uh, i just wanted i just wanted to add you know so we're in a band that exists and tries to get our music out there pretty much to be able to keep doing it. And because we have these ideas for, for songs and, you know, those are our thoughts that we want to explore. And like with Lion, you know, it's, it's like a whole new, it feels like a whole new band for us with what we uh, achieved and, and, and accomplished with Lion. And just in a creative sense that we like brought this whole thing together on our own accord. Um, you know, with the help of tons of amazing people, but it was us at the helm and it was really exciting. And so just, you know, the it's, it's so exciting when people like the album and you see more people listening to it. It's so exciting to know, like, wow, we're going to, like, get to explore those thoughts, those mm-hmm. song ideas, like, even deeper and deeper. And to me, that's, like, that's living. To me, is exploring that territory. So it's just really, it's, it's an exciting time for us. And I just hope that... Uh, there's so much noise out there there's everybody's putting out amazing music every day it's getting it becomes harder and harder to be heard and i just hope that you know people out there will take a second and you know give it an honest try like flip around listen to the top songs on spotify maybe pick a random album and dive in don't go back too far but uh thank you so much (laughs) you have a moment to listen we really appreciate that. <laughs> they are. They are listening. But, but actually, this kind of leads into before we uh, transition just a little bit away from music, uh, where can people find you on social media? Because we, we want to get you out there. You guys are already obviously doing a great job of that. You're 
huge on Twitter, huge on Instagram and Facebook. How can people find you? Um, it's pretty easy. Uh, you know, just search Punchline on Facebook, Punchline on Twitter, and then Punchline on uh, Instagram. I mean, uh, we're 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 just a, we're just a few uh, keywords and a click away. No matter what, you search Punchline. <laughs> able to find us and if you want to know how how many days old you are you can go on punchline.com and there's a days old calculator that you guys put in there so it was a great job <laughs> yep i can't thanks, wait to thanks turn for 14k get, thanks, for that, yeah, thanks for giving that a shout yeah it's the coolest thing i did it myself to i put this in the email i said i did it to myself to tell myself how old i was but it actually reminded me of how young i was it's a lot bigger number in days holy smokes that's really good. Chris, this one's uh, directed specifically for you, but men in the 30s only. Uh, nice. <laughs> what inspired you to get into the podcast space? It's your own podcast, men in the 30s only. You have to go subscribe to it. Uh, it's really funny, first and foremost. I love that I call these type of uh, podcast uh, convo casts because it's just it's a really solid conversation. Um, I've listened to every episode since I believe October is when I found out about it. Um, so nice. yeah, so <laughs> six, seven months now, um, what inspired you to get into the podcast space? Um, I did back when I first found out what a podcast was like at the, the dawn of podcasts, I did a podcast, uh, called the Chris Rothalius white van podcast. I would just do on tour. We did about 20 some episodes, which su- the thing that sucks is I can't even find them anymore. Like, I think that like I have this old hard drive that I, I, I lost. And I, at some point, I stopped paying to have it still hosted on Podbean or wherever it was, and I yeah. just kind of lost them all. But that, I was into that, like, man, that had to be like 2006 or seven or something. And then uh, just a, Steve's brother, Mike, he said, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. And I said, well, you, you really doing a podcast? And all <laughs> he did was, on the voice memo of his phone, he recorded himself talking for like 20 minutes and just texted it to all to like 10 of us. And, and I was like, man, do you want to do a real podcast? If you actually want to do a podcast, like I'll do it with you. And then he was all about it. I just think he didn't have the, the know-how of how to like, you know, record it on a computer and like upload it to like a hosting site and get it on iTunes and everything. So it started as, uh, you know, that way. And, and what, and the name came from, uh, uh, I noticed that there were like these meme sites on Facebook called teens for teens only and things like that. Like that even people that weren't teens were like reposting these memes or whatever. So I made a, I, I had made a, before we even knew that was what our podcast was going to be called, I made a meme, a meme page on Facebook called men in their thirties only. And, uh, it was just, basically fake quotes from celebrities about how much they love being in their thirties. It all was for like, for like years. And then and most, of the, most of the celebrities were clearly not in their thirties. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, so then we just decided to call the podcast that, which was kind of a double edged sword because yeah, it definitely was men in their 30s love the fact that there was a podcast called men in their 30s only but you're also really eliminating 95 percent of the world uh so so we changed the title of the podcast to men in their 30s only a podcast for everyone yeah. uh and yeah man i mean it's just sometimes we got real into it and like 
would make one one or two a week every week, and then sometimes we took breaks. But it's just been really fun, and I give a lot of credit to Dean's brother, Mike, who's my co-host, who really, I don't know if any of the episodes you have, you've noticed, but if you go, if you go back in the earlier episodes, really puts his personal life out there, uh, and which... You know, I don't know if Steve was so thrilled about that or if Steve's family was so thrilled <laughs> about that, but uh, I do know that a lot of people, like, really respected the fact that Mike wasn't afraid to talk about uh, his very personal uh, things in his life. So I think that was uh, a big, fun thing for our podcast, too. And, I mean, in a way, it's it's crazy. Like, our podcast is like therapy. Like, we just talk – like, you put a mic between two dudes, and it's just crazy, like, the ideas that come out and the things you talk about, whereas maybe you might not maybe you might not talk about those things if there's not a mic sitting there. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I love podcasting. Yeah, we know the feeling. <laughs> we definitely, we've done this two years in July and uh, still amazes us every Saturday when, first of all, he wakes up at 6 o'clock to drive here, so we record at 7 a.m., and, and then... Uh, Every time I check our every time I check our site to see the downloads and they just go up and up and up and people care and it's it, it's the coolest yeah, feeling. Yeah, is that crazy? It's it's it, nuts. It's 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 a it's a crazy feeling. I showed Sam our geography like last week or two weeks before that, and he's like, "Wait a second, we have this many downloads in Sweden, like yeah. in Iran." Yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah. I was blown away, dude. dude we were our like we kind of like. Taking don't ever take a break. We haven't. We take a break. Like we were at the point. We were at the point where we were getting like over a thousand downloads per episode, which is really awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then we took like this like five or six month break, and it, it just screwed us like on that thing. But like when we were at our peak, and like at, we had like for some reason we had a following in the Netherlands, and I couldn't <laughs> figure out why. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's, it is podcasts. really cool. The, it's awesome. We have recorded one to two episodes every week for two years, excluding two weeks when I got married and went on my honeymoon. That is the only break we took, and right. we filled the wow. space. So, great discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, there's some days where you wake up, you might not be feeling good, you know, or you know what have you, but you know, you, you still got to get it done. And and I That's thank right. and I thank my wife for her patience. <laughs> um, and for her understanding of my passion for yes. doing this. Greg, uh, you are recording again? Yes, yeah, Sam will be over. Don't wake me up. Okay, no problem. We won't. And then we do. So. And then I run. I love that you guys do it so early. Why yeah. do you guys do it so early? Do you want the, the, Here's the honest truth. It, it just work schedules. It's, it's literally it's, the only time. Um, You know what? Yeah. I don't know. I, Sam, I love you. I don't know if I'd agree. Because we could do it Thursday nights if we wanted to. We, we could, could, we could, we do it. In my opinion, we do it Saturdays on at seven because one, we're awake. We're both morning people. Right. Uh, number two, when yeah. we're done, we can record, I can edit and post it and then still have a full day. Right. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't, I was just, it's more for, I'm a morning person too. So I, I'd be all about that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I can have it all posted on iTunes by 1130 and I'm like, okay, sweetie, do you want to go out to lunch? What do you want to do for dinner? And it's right. not, it doesn't like take up my nights and my whatever, you know, I do it all the time. I act like it's a second full-time job, um, trying to book guests and do the notes. And, and, you know, we do about a two hour episode, maybe an hour and a half to two hours every week. So it, it's there. Right. I mean, 
it, and especially doing it as consistently as we've done it. But the fruits are there of our labor, and you know I wouldn't have anybody else I'd rather do the show with. But now I need thirty seven more tissues because I'm <laughs> I'm about to get all nerdy about it. But uh, you just released a new episode of your show this past Thursday. Everybody, please again go download that iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all their podcast services. I have to. I don't know, Chris, if you were the one that said this, but I'm shocked and almost kind of disappointed to hear that you're not a hockey guy. Oh, I'm a hockey guy. Okay, who said that? No, he's he's the hockey guy. Okay, good. I'm the I'm a, hockey guy. I'm a, I'm a Penguins fan. I've been a Penguins fan since I was six years old. Okay, someone on the show said I prefer <laughs> basketball and getting my friends together watching NBA Finals. I don't do hockey unless the Penguins are still. Oh, there. oh, well, once the Pens, <laughs> once the Pens are eliminated, yeah, I didn't really. I wasn't too crazy about your heart wasn't in it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 So then, okay. So being hockey guys, being a Pens fan, what's your thoughts on the Penguins Flyers rivalry? Cause I have a big old Flyers tattoo on my leg. I'm a diehard. What do you got? Um, well, yeah, as far as sports teams that I hate and I'm talking across all sports, I hate the Flyers more than any other team. And I, and it's not like, I, I don't, I, we I wouldn't have it any other way. When I was a kid, and I hated Ron Hextall, and I hated like you know, it, it was just uh, just my my whole life uh, I've hated the Flyers. But you know, 1975. Yeah, 1975. <laughs> I know. 2000. 2000- hey, hey, I got, I got one for I got, you. It's cool. I feel I feel lucky. I've got to watch the Penguins win five Stanley Cups in my lifetime. Yeah, I was gonna so, say I got uh, one for you. 2008, I, I, you know, 2015, but, 2016, 2017. Got it. What do you got? Yeah, you have a lot more to brag about than I do. <laughs> Best player in the world. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't be that bummed if the Flyers won a cup at this point. I'm trying to – like, dude, I was psyched about the Eagles. Thank you. I was absolutely – We were ecstatic. due. We were due. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. That's actually yeah. really cool to hear that because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Pittsburgh, at Philly. It, it. Listen, the Steelers are in the AFC North. Right. Who, who cares? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Who, that's, we don't have a rivalry. Exactly. We're not rivals. We're not rivals. We are rivals in actually. Right. We're really only rivals in hockey because the Pirates and Phils aren't really rivals. Yeah. So, right. You know. Exactly. If anything, we're like cousins. <laughs> and and yep. I've been to and I've been to <laughs> Pittsburgh. It's a beautiful city. It really is. I have nothing bad to say about the city at all. I just hate the Penguins. So and I like it. It's it's a business professional hatred. I love this. Yeah. This is great. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, l- last question we would have for you guys. Uh, it's kind of a broad one, so answer it as you will. Uh, any recommendations? Since we are a nerdy podcast, we talk about film and TV and video games. Um, if you guys are gamers at all, please expand on that. But are there any films and, and or TV shows that you've watched or are watching that you would recommend to our listeners? Me and Chris are both into Atlanta. Yeah. Incredible show. And I love shows like that and Louie kind of did this where they're just kind of uh, exploring that space of of the uh, of the TV show and just bend, bending the rules and it's so it's so fun I love all the hyper real kind of stuff and just love love what's going on with that and Chris I know you're you want to talk about Zelda yeah 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 well first of all <laughs> you, you, br- you brought it up a little bit obviously we love Game of Thrones like of that's you don't do you even need to say that I mean I feel like that's like <laughs> just like, assume that. You know that, that that's like obvious. Do, do you know that um, you know, the any, real quick, real quick? Do you that? know Do you know that the prequel, one of the five prequels, got greenlit for a pilot yesterday? Yeah, I saw that. Is it Is it going to be the story? I mean, I I imagined they were going to do the story of Jamie Lannister. Nope. Yeah, uh, killing it's, the Mad King. 
it's, they, they have to. They they will. They they will do that. This first one's going to be about uh, in between ten and seventy thousand years before Game of Thrones as we know it now. Oh jeez. Yeah, brand. Yeah, the, yeah, that's brand the that's, yeah brand the builder. How the White Walkers came to be and all that good stuff. Oh, nice. And we only that's have cool. six episodes uh, left of Game of Thrones. I know. Oh god, six episodes. That's de- that's yeah. depressing wow. to think about. It's wild they're going to wrap it up so quick. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's going to be like six mini movies. They're going to be like 90 minutes long. Yeah, that's cool. Who yeah, went? Who, be awesome, who, sure. So, okay, I'm glad you guys are Game of Thrones fans because we are absolutely huge Game of Thrones fans. Give us your ending. How would it end if you uh, were in charge? Oh, um, I, I, I had my, my thoughts about it. Well, I was just waiting all that time for Daenerys to just get back, get get on the back of the dragon and just and just tear shit up. I've been waiting for that since the first season. You yep, know? Yep. So like to see that finally happen was like really satisfying. I mean, so, uh, sorry for anyone out there. I'm spoiling anything for, but I, I would assume it's a yeah it's yeah. And we talk the, about it every week. Podcast you do yeah, right. Um, I don't I don't know, man. I I I I, I think. I think in general the good guys are going to win, <laughs> I, but but you never know if if, if uh, you know you just never know who who's going to die. Because Greg wants oh, the no. White Walkers to win. It. I do. I want the White Walkers to win because in real life, that's, that's <laughs> in real life it would happen that I way. Mean, it would just happen that way, right? I don't know. The good guy still got two dragons. There's, we still got time. But we got one dragon. We, I say we, like I'm a White Walker. The the White Walkers do have one dragon, and that's still 33 percent more dragon than. Well, that's not no. actually the good math. No, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Hey, what I what would be awesome about that is if the White Walkers won. Is that's the most finite ending? Yes. Like that is an ending. Yes. You know, like that's like that's it. Westeros is over Thank there's you. no like star wars like okay let's do fifty thousand uh yeah. sequels after this it, that's over like <laughs> you know that's how it ended i'm not a conspiracy theorist but let's think about it this way in today's world in 2018 there is no westeros so somewhere it fell i'm telling you it fell then and my perfect end shot would be if the night king is sitting on a frozen iron th- uh, throne and the camera zooms into his eye and then it goes to black boom Pay me. Oh, yeah. Pay me money right now. <laughs> Gave me, <gave> me chills. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so like insane. It. Any other shows or movies you guys would recommend? Well, uh, I want to talk about games for one. Yeah. Um, now you're yeah. in my, now you're in my uh, neck of the woods. My wife, my wife and I over the past couple of years have become gamers. Yes. I would say like, I really, I really wasn't other than, I always love Nintendo stuff. Yes. I always love everything Nintendo does. Yeah, me too. I have a bias. And, uh, I have a bias. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just my whole life. Nintendo, I think Nintendo is the greatest mm. company that ever existed. Music to my and, ears. Uh, What's your favorite yeah, Nintendo system? Um, I love the Switch. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Bam. We're about I'm to talk Breath of the Wild, I, aren't we? I, I absolutely love it. We're, we're I about... think Breath of the Wild. Yeah, there we go. Breath of the Wild is, I told this to Steve, and I still stand by this statement. Breath of the Wild is not only the best video game I've ever played, it is the best piece of total entertainment that I've ever experienced in my life. Can I recommend There's something never to you? Been, never been anything better, in my opinion. You, you have PlayStation sure. by chance? I do. I have PS4. Did you play the new God of War? Never played it, no. 
to me, that is the... That's the prettiest game I think I ever played, and it was all in one motion. There is no cutscenes. Is it a Zelda-ish game? No, it's it's a listen. It's a brilliant game. It's probably my game of the year so far in 2018. Uh, Breath of the Wild was my personal game of the year in 2017. It's a wonderful okay. single-player, story-driven experience. It's open world. You can do whatever you want. Um, there's a little bit of crafting. So it actually, do- and there's climbing. It actually kind of does remind you of an up-res, beautiful. Um, you know, twenty-five hour story for Legend, like like Legend of Zelda. But I was seventy-five hours into Legend of Zelda or into Breath of the Wild when I beat it, and uh, I was seventeen percent done the story. Dude, my wife and I were completionists with it. The only thing we didn't complete were all the Korok seeds. Yeah, because that was seemed pointless. Dude. We had like four hundred some of them, but like. Uh, we completed everything, including all the downloadable content, including getting the Master Sword, which was very hard. Uh, you know, everything, we, we beat everything about it. Did you? And, uh, I just think it's, I, I don't even know how many hours, maybe we put 150 hours into it or something. Ooh. Like, uh, yeah, wow. we did not mess around. Do uh, I, I absolutely love it. Do you like, know what you get? Laugh when I tell it. Well, real quick, do you know what, what you get for all 900 Kirok seeds? Nothing. Okay, good. Yeah, you don't. It's totally not worth yeah, it. That's why we didn't do it. Okay, it's a big that's old troll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're gonna laugh at what I say. What we've been playing for the past four or five months every day. Arms. Is it? Uh, is, it ar- play, is it arms? We play. No, we play Stardew Valley. Yes, oh, Greg loves uh, that game. I love that game. Oh my god, I talk about it all the time. You're definitely speaking his language. It's amazing. Yeah, you gotta. Listen, yeah. listen, if you were to subscribe to a gaming podcast, I'd have to recommend our show. But uh, um, we have very similar tastes. Yeah, man. I love Stardew Valley. It's so good. I think it's because um, it's so casual. But at, the, yeah. but at the same time, it's really deep. And it was created by one dude. Like, that's insane. Yeah. It's amazing, man. I, I, I have 50 pigs. I... I, uh, I just, I'm a pure, uh, um, what are they called? Uh, uh, what do pigs get? Uh, truffles. There you truffles. Go. I just, I just get like, I get like 200 truffles a day. I have millions and millions of dollars and like, I don't know why I'm still playing it, but I'm, I am. It's so good. Oh man. That's really cool. I'm excited for that. I'm even, listen, I just turned 30. So now I can listen to your podcast legally. And, uh, I, <laughs> I I'm still psyched for this new Pokemon game coming out. So, like, dude, dude. So, I mean, okay, that's one one more thing <laughs> before we go or whatever. I I still play Pokemon Go. I still play it every day of my life. I I didn't keep up with the legend like for a while there. Uh when it was just like when they were releasing one legendary at a time, I was going to every raid. I went I got I have four Mewtwo's. I have like <laughs> I was like, seriously, it's crazy, like, how I got to know all the people from the area that, like, and you'd meet up with them, like, everywhere, and it was weird because it was people of every age and race and uh, background, and, like, every, like, it was just, like, like, a doctor would walk over, a police officer would walk over, an old woman would walk over, a little kid would walk, it was, I thought that was really awesome, but I just couldn't keep up, like, it got to be too much with, like, the raids, like, mm-hmm. I'll do one once in a while if it's one that I can solo or do with two people, but, like, I haven't been going you know, onto the chat things and meeting up with people lately. Right. But that Switch game 
looks incredible. Yeah. And I cannot wait. We freaking love you dudes. You dudes are like insanely <laughs> awesome. Sam, why don't you tell them real quick before we depart your Pokemon Go story? Pokemon Go is dead to me. Um, I, I did play it. I agree with it. It was fun. It was awesome to see, like you said, you know, old, young, just people coming together. I, I think I was level 30. Something happened and they lost all my data. It's I lost gone. everything. It's Dude, I had Charizard. I had all the guys. Go- Go- Gollum, Golem, whatever his name is. I-, I had everybody, and I was like, I'm done. I-, I-, I can't put more hours into the game I already had in. And we've tried to recover his data like five times. Gone. It's gone. So, But they have a water event going on you right probably, now. You probably spent money, too. I mean, I bought um, incubators. So I probably, you know, what did I lose? 10, 20 bucks? I'll live. He's pissed. Don't worry. You should you see know, the smile. I, I'm butthurt. I am. It's all that time. I love Pokemon. Then they had all my stuff taken. Ah, it's dead to me. <laughs> he won't. He I can't. I can't. I can't believe what you. You don't understand how devastating it would be. I'm a level 37. Ah, see. Ah, and Greg. Greg can't comprehend. He don't understand the loss that I have and, and the anger I have towards it. I think he, if he lost everything, he would get it. Like, Oh man! <laughs> but, but but see, you understand my frustration, though, right? Yeah, I feel your pain. I wouldn't start again. See, I, see, I, mean, I, Boom. I would play. I would play Let's Go Pokemon when it comes out. But there like, you go. I wouldn't start again. And he doesn't go. even have a Switch, so he can't even play Let's Go. I think I just want to buy him one for his birthday, <laughs> and his birthday already passed. Yeah, so. I'm beat. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, gentlemen, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Again, Steve and Chris from Punchline, at Punchlion on Twitter, at Punchlion on Instagram, and then just go ahead and search them out on Facebook. I believe you just – I just type in Punchline Band anytime I want to find you guys, and it's the first search result uh, in the search bar. Yeah, we're, we're pretty easy to find. Yeah, follow them on their tour coming up with the Spill Canvas. Uh, we really, really appreciate you guys taking the time. If you would hang on the line for just one second, um, but thank you guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Cool. Thanks so much, guys. Really cool. appreciate your time. Thank you. And hang on the line for just one second, but we'll see you this weekend on episode 95. I'm only 29. Does that mean I can't listen to Men in the 30s only podcast?